Hello, listeners of Analyze Asia. This is your host Carol, and welcome back to another episode of Analyze Asia, a podcast dedicated to dissecting the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. For the past few episodes, we've been looking at China, and so this time around, we are going to switch our gaze back to Southeast Asia, and that is why we've invited a longtime friend of Analyze Asia, Rama Mamuaya, the founder and CEO of Daily Social, onto our show today.、Um, welcome back to Analyze Asia, Rama. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me again, Carol. And this is actually the first time that we've spoken to each other. Right, even though you've been on the show before, so can you introduce yourself a little bit more, and also tell our listeners a bit more about Daily Social? Sure. So my name is Rama. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Daily Social. That ID, based in Jakarta, Indonesia. One of the highlights of Southeast Asia,、uh, the hottest city in Southeast Asia when it comes to startups and technology for the past few years. So my company mainly do media research and consulting. So we have the media side where you can go to our website, Daily Social. That ID, and get a you know the latest news on what's happening in the tech ecosystem here in、uh, Indonesia. Uh, we also do research for clients、uh, in terms of technology-related research. We also do consulting work where we help corporate companies connect with the startup ecosystem. Yeah, it's super cool, and I see that you guys are very active on Twitter as well. So, since your last conversation on Analyze Asia, what have you been up to? We actually spun a few of our efforts. Well, we just launched a company called DS Innovate, which is the research and consulting company into a separate entity.、Uh, previously, it was kind of integrated. The same company, and you know, we've been launching lots and lots of report when it comes to tech data in Indonesia. You know, the demand is still high for any type of、uh, technology data, basically technology related data. So we've been launching. I think since the last time I spoke at Analyze, we've launched over fifty new reports with. All kinds of data on the, the market, Indonesia tech market. Wow, that's amazing. I'm curious. You know, we can't avoid a conversation about COVID and how COVID has impacted、uh, the ecosystems. So I'm curious, how has the Indonesia startup scene、um, been changed by the pandemic? In 2020, it's been quite fascinating, actually. So we just did our, our latest report. We just collected the report from you know all the events happening in the 2020. Actually, the number of investment announced in 2020 is around the same compared to 2019. I think the 2019 was 113 funding announcements. In 2020, it's like 112. So just by one, right? You know, if you consider the whole pandemic, the whole financial crisis, it's actually quite good. But what's more amazing is the number of money injected into Indonesian company is actually up by 11% compared to 2019, which is amazing. So I think this this shows that you know, even though the the pandemic really hit a lot of companies. You know, pretty hard. A few companies shut down because of the pandemic as well, due to you know low consumer demand. You know, for, for companies that in the travel sector and and you know all that stuff. But there are、uh, digital transformation startups, what I like to call digital transformation startups, that are gaining traction quite heavily、uh, in Indonesia. You know, companies who are. Basically,、uh, taking the offline traditional process into digitalized process. You know, because of the pandemic, most of the employees are working from home. So, companies that do、uh, HR, finance, accounting, but you know, people can work remotely using these kind of tools. Those guys are gaining、uh, a lot of traction. In general, it's quite positive news from Indonesia because of the pandemic. Of course, there's company a few companies shut down, but in general, it's quite good. 
That's really good news. It's good to hear. You know, I think people, you know, are betting on Indonesia's future, a digital future at that, that's for sure. Today, we are here to talk about the merger of Gojek and Tokopedia. While our audience is um, probably familiar with Grab and Gojek and their ongoing war in the ride-hailing, food delivery, and financial payment space, etc., can you first provide us an introduction to Tokopedia? You know, because um, some of our listeners might not be as familiar with this leading e-commerce provider uh, from Indonesia. Sure. So Tokopedia is, you know, founded as a uh, online marketplace. You know, one of the early online marketplace players in Indonesia, they started around the same time to another company with a similar model called Bukalapak. But uh, Tokopedia, they're very uh, focused on service. So they're slightly more expensive compared to Bukalapak, but the service has been amazing. And that's that's their kind of marketing strategy from the day they launched. They don't believe in you know discounts and free delivery, all that stuff. They just want to make sure that the company is growing and focusing on service and, and keeping the customers happy. And that has been a big part of what makes Tokopedia, you know, again, now I think one of the biggest, definitely one of the biggest uh, technology company in Indonesia. They're very well funded, obviously. Um, the latest valuation is 7.5 billion. Again, this is an unofficial number because there's no uh, real number that published by Tokopedia or their investors. Uh, their latest funding is their Series E in uh, late last year, 2020, participate, uh, lead, led by Google, Temasek and Sequoia Capital India also participate. And, uh, they have a, a whole bunch of uh, strong investors that line up since their seed funding in 2018. So from the very early days, they really rank up all the, you know, some of the best investment companies in Indonesia, most active, most, you know, lots of mentors in, in their pockets, right? Companies like East Ventures, BNOS Partners, Cyber Agent, and then, of course, there's this Alibaba Group, SoftBank from, you know, their, their vision fund also invested in uh, Tokopedia. Right. And if my memory serves me correct, their uh, Tokopedia is probably has the second highest valuation as a unicorn, as an Indonesian unicorn um, behind uh, Gojak, right? I'm curious, who are the founders and investors behind Tokopedia? I know you mentioned a few of the investors. How has the company evolved since you know SoftBank and Alibaba's, I believe, 1.5 billion investment into the company way back, and like you talked about, a recent investment from you know Tomas at Google, etc., uh, at 500 million, I believe. Yeah, sure. So the founder is the CEO and, and founder. His name is William Tanuwijaya. Uh, I've, I've actually known him since the early days of Tokopedia back in 2008, 2009. He's a computer science student and from Binanu Santal University. Well, they're actually a, a quite humble beginning, you know, compared to, you know, the founders of Gojek with, with you know, US educated. So mm-hmm. both founders of Tokopedia has been a role model for homegrown technology founders. Yeah, they're really great guys and uh, very smart, very very calm. They don't like publicity, but they, you know, keep your heads down and uh, uh, work, right? Achieve what it, what it is that you want to achieve. And they're highly uh, influenced by Jack Ma. Even from the early days, William cannot stop talking about, you know, the, the influence of Jack Ma into, you know, he adopted a lot of his framework into running Tokopedia. And mm-hmm. lucky enough, you know, uh, Alibaba actually invests in, in Tokopedia as well. So it was a dream come true for, That's right. uh, for William. In terms of the investors, I think, you know, some of the later stage investor has been quite significant, kind of shaped Tokopedia's decision-making and uh, expansion. 
Uh, for the past few years, they've been trying to expand to other markets, specifically in the SME market in Indonesia. In Indonesia, uh, SME is one of the largest shadow economy, we call it. Shadow economy because, every, you know, uh, physically, uh, in Indonesia, every hundred meters, you will find a small mom, mom and pop kind of shop mm-hmm. or whatever it is that they're selling. And they trans- do transactions in cash. They don't have a bank account. They're not listed, no tax and stuff like that. So the number is there, but it's not recorded. It's not bankable. And it's a huge market all over Indonesia, not just in Jakarta. And actually, Tokopedia is one of the first unicorns to really see this potential and start to develop products to cater to this market where you know all these smaller mom and pop shops can start selling stuff on, on Tokopedia's uh, platform, giving them access to millions and millions of, of potential buyers. I think the latest number uh, in 2020, uh, 2020 last year, they have over 10 million uh, sellers wow. across the board all over Indonesia, which is huge. That's right. Um, part of that is actually uh, from the, the SME effort that they are pushing. Now they just launched, they call it Mitra Tokopedia, which is a, like a program to empower the SMEs, including uh, give like lendings and all that stuff to help these small shops to grow, uh, providing capital and all that stuff. That's partly what Tokopedia has been doing these days. And it's really driven by some of the, uh, the later stage investors and board members that is, you know, working with the government as well, because, you know, SME empowerment is actually one of the, the uh, government agenda. So what, you know, for all these companies, you know, every, everyone is doing it actually these days. Gojek is doing it, Traveloka is doing it, uh, all the players are doing it. Government support is partly why the, the program is so massive, but Tokopedia was one of the first ones to kind of identify this market and, and make the first move. So what are some of the key businesses under Tokopedia? How does the company monetize? Are they similar in any way to, you know, Alibaba's Taobao or, or Alibaba in, in general? Yeah, I think the Tokopedia is its own thing. It's not like Alibaba or Taobao or even Amazon in the, in the sense. Uh, they're really their own thing because they really focus on, you know, empowering the full value chain of their ecosystem with Tokopedia and its merchants. So this answers your question about you know the companies under them. So they actually have a software for uh, the merchants where uh, every step of the process from warehousing, POS, including uh, a software to record all the transaction, uh, reporting every month, everything really end-to-end kind of solution for the merchants all the way until logistics, payments. As, as you probably know, they also uh, have a, quite a big stake in a company uh, called Ovo, which is one of the, again, one of the largest pay, digital payment company here um, in Indonesia. They co-own it with Grab as well. So Tokopedia, actually, back then they have their own main gateway, Tokopay, I think they, they call it back then. But uh, for some regulatory reason, they, you know, it got shut down by the government and they are kind of ended up doing business with OVO to power their payment gateway uh, forms. One of the things that Tokopedia also has been doing quite quite significantly is they've been acquiring companies, acquiring startups in Indonesia, which is, I think it's very good for them to, to be able to do that, uh, empowering the industry as well. So I think it's quite nice that Tokopedia actually grow non-organically by acquiring these startups. Uh, they acquired a company called Bright Story. They acquired a few other companies, smaller, smaller companies uh, before that. But I think the most high profile one is Story. 
Can you just help um, listeners also just understand it a little bit more? You said it's, you know, its own thing. It's different from Alibaba, different from Taobao, different from Amazon. Can you just highlight a few more of these differences to, to help us, um, you know, understand because we're not in Indonesia. And it- I think one of the key things about Indonesian um, sort of merchants, they don't want to pay. A- Amazon, if you're a seller, you have to pay a seller a fee and stuff like that. Indonesians, we don't want to pay it. So Tokopedia is, is forced to charge that convenience fee to its customers, which is different mm-hmm. with Amazon. They don't focus on B2B and kind of bulk buying kind of Taobao model. Uh, they really focus on empowering brands these days. Uh, so uh, I think the NBA has an, has an official store there. They have a, uh, 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 they work with, with Nike here in Indonesia as well. So a lot of these brands, they have their own store in Tokopedia. Ace Hardware, all those, you know, those types of brands, they have a store in Tokopedia in conjunction with their own e-commerce, right? All of them, you know, they have e-commerce platform uh, on a separate website that they control, but they also have store on Tokopedia, which, you know, helps to boost their transaction and expose them to Tokopedia's loyal users. I think one of the key things are those kind of differentiates Tokopedia with the other players. And uh, Tokopedia is really focusing on empowering the SMEs empowering the sellers uh, and, and providing all these tools. So it's a very long tail uh, model, right? Not just mm-hmm. focusing on the transaction fee. That's a very good explanation. We know that, uh, you know, in, in December 2020, it was reported that Tokopedia was considering going public through a SPACs merger with Bridgetown Holdings, which is backed by Peter Thiel and Richard Lee. And the estimated valuation of this post-merger company is between, you know, 8 to 10 billion USD. Do you think that uh, Tokopedia will IPO through a SPACs, which is, you know, special purpose acquisition companies? What are your thoughts on that? I see it the other way around. It's going to be very difficult for them to go public in a traditional sense. At least here in Indonesia, uh, their financial performance is not up to par with the government standard or the board standard for companies that are eligible to go public. Uh, you know, profitability, sustainability, you know, governance, all that stuff. I've heard from secondary information that financially, they won't be able to get approval for listing, at least here in Indonesia. So the only way, if they really want to go public, I think they, they have to go public outside of Indonesia, which mm-hmm. is, I don't think, you know, I've known William for quite a while. I don't think he's going to, to do that. He's either going to go public in Indonesia or go public outside of Indonesia and Indonesia. So do a listing. But the gotcha. Indonesian part is non-negotiable. William is very uh, patriotic in, in that sense. Like, I think that's one of the, the value that kind of mirrors towards running the company and and you know, respect for that, definitely. SPAC is one of the alternative and most probable alternative actually for, for Tokopedia. One of Tokopedia's largest investors, companies like Hoya, SoftBank, you know, they have a life cycle when it comes to their, their funds, right? And, you know, I can imagine, you know, all these investors are starting to approach the near of the cycle. You know, I, I can understand if, you know, these investors start to push Tokopedia's, you know, leadership for a potential exit strategy and or other liquidity events, you know, I'm sure they, they got pushed by their uh, limited partners as well. So I, I, I can understand that this is uh, an important momentum for Tokopedia, but it's going to be hard for Tokopedia to go at it alone and in Indonesia, hence 
the merger actually uh, for me it, it makes a lot of sense and here i want to just you know switch up the conversation a little bit when you came on to analyze asia last time it was about two and a half years ago、I、had to do a little bit digging and、uh, you came here to talk about gojek in in indonesia i'm sure a lot of our listeners are quite familiar with gojek already so can you just briefly introduce the company but also to a certain extent discuss some of the companies such as gopay which has emerged from gojek gojek is you know they, they started out as a ride hailing company similar to grab similar to uber but in 2017 they kind of diversified into a fintech with the launch of gopay which is a payment platform inside the gojek ecosystem and that has been a monumental step for for them Because it opens up a whole new door of possibilities and and business opportunities for Gojek outside of the ride-hailing companies. Gojek, you know, they're the largest unicorn in Indonesia. They have companies、uh, such as Facebook, PayPal, Visa, Google, JD.com, Tencent, KKR, War Warburg Pincus. I think the latest round is by Telkomsel, which is telco company here,、uh, a subsidiary of Singtel and Telkom here in Indonesia. So yeah, they're very large and. They actually spun off the GoPay feature as a separate company. They also acquire a company called Locket.com, which is an online event company, and they spun it off into a, a separate product called GoPlay, which is which is like a Netflix for Indonesia. Interesting.、Uh, they launched, yeah, they launched in two thousand and eighteen. It was a big launch, some some exclusive kind of content, and.、Uh, I think this is an homage to yeah the Netflix the Amazon business model with Prime Video. Honestly, don't see the synergy there, <laughs> but if if it's a separate business and it's profitable, why not? They also acquire a bank here in Indonesia a few years ago. I think last year they launched it as a digital bank called Bank Jago. That's super cool. I didn't know about that. They actually、uh, bought a bank, so that's a, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, as for I think the latest number, Gojek has two million of、uh, driver partners. They call it, and they have over one、uh, million merchant for their Go Food feature. You know, definitely one of the biggest technology business in Indonesia. And we've covered Gojek in quite a few episodes here on Analyze Asia as well. And so some of our listeners might know that、uh, the founder of Gojek, Nadim, you know, his probably his patriotic sense with、uh, William as well as he became the Minister of Education and Culture under、um, Jokowi's presidency. So how do you think Gojek has evolved、uh, since Nadim? Departure. It has been lots of developments post Nadim and the new co CEOs Kevin and Andre. They're you know brilliant people. It's actually been like a lightning fast execution.、Uh, I'm not sure if Nadim was、uh, involved in the strategic planning project. You know the th- next three years of project, but it's been quite extensive. Obviously, they didn't see. No one saw the the pandemic coming. Right. But I think they adapt quite well to the pandemic. They had to make a few adjustments. They lay off a couple of uh, divisions, uh, but you know they they actually cut off some of the、uh, the products as well. They had a go clean, so you can like Uber, but for people cleaning your house, they they shut that down because of the pandemic. There's go massage, so time is used. They shut that down as well, non profitable.、Uh, they have、uh, go shop. As well, shut down and really focusing on、uh, features like GoFood and GoPay, and obviously GoFood has been you know on a rocket ship for the past few months because everyone's staying at home and not going to restaurants. They to, to buy things online and GoFood has been on the positively receiving 
end of that. So they're quite happy with that. They have, you know, the two companies, Grab and, and Gojek, has been rumored to on a discussion to merge. I think for the past few years, two, three years, uh, the first time I heard it, I think it was three years ago. It just doesn't work. And uh, <laughs> the leadership is... Uh, you know, I have a good source in in one of the companies involved, and you know it's a leadership issue. So it's a, a you know I, I don't want to say it's an ego issue, but the CEO is basically the company, right? You know, there's a lot of things need to be ironed out, especially uh, you know, for, for companies with a very similar, almost very similar business model. I honestly cannot imagine the two companies merge because that would be brutal the integration like there's so many point of contact between two companies in terms of the integration that could potentially be conflict and that's just a recipe for disaster that's right so I, that's one of the questions that i was going to ask actually you know the reason why i mentioned gojack in this episode is because it has been involved in potential merger talks with grab and also tokopedia and so let's start with, with grab first right you know we, we talked about how the, the synergies between them are probably the best based on the, the similar industries that they're in and of course the merger will bring the wars of ride hailing of food delivery to an end you think they're not going to uh, come to an agreement right i mean based on a, a recent article that i read on business times singapore the merger talks have fallen apart actually do you think it's you know due to long-term animosity between the companies or is it really like you said it's uh, similar to an ego issue <laughs> ego aside i think it's monopoly it only works for for uh, products where the users or the customers don't pay right companies like like facebook like Twitter, like Clubhouse, for example, right? It's free to use. <laughs> they monetize some different business model. In that sense, it's very possible for a company to become the you know the dominant player. But for companies like Gojek and Grab, where people have to pay for something to get a service or a utility value, it's actually duopoly is the best scenario you can possibly have. It's almost impossible for a company like that to become a monopoly. It's very hard to become a monopoly. I think one, the one case that happened is Microsoft. Other than that, there's no, no other companies has been able to do that. Even now, Microsoft has you know lots of lots of competitors, right? It's perfectly okay. And I don't think they should push for a, a merger just because to prevent the, the price war. Because at the end of the day, the consumer benefits from the competition is really up to the regulators from each country that you know both companies are in to really regulate the business model or the price price ceiling for or, or the bottom pricing for both companies to make them both become more profitable and more sustainable in that particular market in indonesia particularly that already exists we have a bottom pricing regulation from the government the drivers can actually get some benefit as well the consumers a slightly more expensive, but you know we're happy because you know it's government regulated anyway, right? Grab or both Grab and Gojek cannot go beyond that, or below that price, just because they want to compete with each other. So it benefits everyone. In yeah, other markets, know, it might be the case. It, it does remind me of the time when Uber China and Didi they they merged, but since then a lot of other ride hailing companies have sprung up, and it was never you know a, a, a true monopoly. So I, I kind of, I understand uh, your, your point. Pivoting back to the conversation about Tokopedia, though, do you think Tokopedia would be a better suitor for Gojek instead? And if so, why? For me, it, it fits like a glove because it's complementary. So it's not, uh, Tokopedia has, Gojek doesn't have. 
and it goes the other way around as well. So they complete each other in a lot of sense. You know, a lot of people have been, oh, they both have SME merchants, but it's actually a very different type of merchant. Gojek with their GoFood merchant is focused on kind of ready-to-eat products, right? You get it delivered, you know, immediately consume whatever food that you're ordering. While the food merchant in Tokopedia is not the ready-to-eat model. So it's like frozen foods, uh, you know, uh, spices and all that stuff. So it's very different type of merchants, right? And Tokopedia is also dominated by electronics, by uh, fashion, by handicrafts, kind of merchants that Gojek doesn't have. So Combined, both entity will own a very large market share, the SME market. The other point of contact uh, as well is the payment. Project has GoPay and uh, Togopedia has OVO, or at least own almost half in OVO, right? But regulatory rules here in Indonesia, Togopedia cannot hold shares for both OVO and GoPay if they decided to merge. So they have to, Togopedia will have to lose one. And obviously, it's going to be OVO kicked on the side and uh, maybe uh, you know sell the, the shares back to grab i don't see any potential problem there even if they decided to merge lots of synergy because again the consumer is already used to pay for convenience fee both in gojek and tokopedia and of course i think the potential alignment is a hyper local super speedy delivery like amazon prime so you order something on tokopedia and deliver it within 15 minutes wow. uh, using gosan their logistic arm gojek's logistic arm right in a way this already happened in, in gojek alone i used to buy whatever like you know items like wine and stuff like that and if i get a merchant that is very close to where i live it's delivered in less than 30 minutes after the transaction that's just on the, the Tokopedia side alone. And they could use Gojek or they can use Grab to, to deliver the, the item. But now with, you know, potentially the co- two companies can merge, that integration should become more seamless. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that is exciting from the merger. That 15 minutes, under 30 minutes, that's crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially those, you know, living in some larger, geographically larger countries like Canada or the U.S. are probably going to be very amazed at the speed. I live in a quite, uh, you know, city area. But if the company decided to merge, you know, all the people, consumer in a relatively kind of suburb kind of uh, area can benefit the same way as well, not just people in the city. I understand. And you kind of answered this question of mine already, but if this were to actually happen, how would a Tokopedia and Gojek merger really work, though? Yeah, I mean, you know, merger is hard. You know, no matter what company is doing it, there's going to be a restructuring. It's going to be a round of layoff and efficiency checklist. It's expected, right? It's It will happen. But I think combined power with the potential synergy, as I said, they really complete each other. Potentially, that could add a lot more value, you know, as a single entity, right? One plus one equals four, which is actually the literally the case in, in Gojek and Tokopedia. I think uh, I read on Bloomberg a few days back, mm-hmm. uh, the proposed uh, single company after merger is actually a $40 billion, wow. which is crazy, right? Because Gojek is $10 billion, Tokopedia is $7.5 billion. But combined, they're forty billion dollars. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm not sure forty is you know the exact number that will pique investors' interest. There's a lot of factors that comes into deciding the valuation. But I understand that combined, they are stronger together. Especially you know they become a more competition to Shopee. 
And I think it's, it's going to be ignorant if we don't talk about Shopee in this scenario because, you know, I'm sure Shopee has been one of the key factors in even creating the discussion between Tokopedia and Gojek because, you know, Shopee has been a major competitor for both companies. They have Shopee Pay, which is now the largest payment company in Indonesia, at least. They have, you know, Shopee Pay, which is a direct threat to GoPay, but they also, you know, one of the largest e-commerce company, I think number one right now above Tokopedia. So it's also a threat to Tokopedia. So, and they're a single company, right? It, you know, by merging both, the, I think the combined entity will have a chance to actually go head to head with Shopee, push for domination in the Indonesian market. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, the potential competition between Shopee and its potential a new merged company. Sure. Shopee exists in a lot of countries as well. Definitely one of the largest e-commerce companies in Southeast Asia subsidiary of CSEA. They launched in Indonesia in 2017 and has been on a rocket ship basically just smashing everyone else and uh, they've taken the number one spot in late 2018 which is incredibly fast for any company. The growth is, is immense. They've acquired merchants from Tokopedia here and there from other e-commerce companies as well. They've been you know, doing a massive kind of marketing campaign to acquire users, do a lot of discounts, promotions, brand ambassadors, you know, the K-pop thing, you know, they, like, they spend a lot of money here in Indonesia, you know, rightfully so, they're now number one commerce and number one in payment with their Shopee Pay platform. Shopee Pay in 2020 has been, uh, they, they launched it early 2020. And then it got, you know, it got hit by the pandemic and, you know, people would probably assume everyone's gonna, you know, hit the brakes, right? Not for Shopee. You know, you can buy coffee in, you know, the coffee chains here that supports Shopee Pay for one rupiah. That's insane. I cannot even translate that to USD or SGD because it's not even one cent. Yeah. Right? 0.1 cent. <laughs> That's crazy. It's basically nothing, right? Their marketing strategy has been insane. Therefore, the market share has been growing really, really fast. And in just almost uh, a year, they are currently number one above GoPay, above OVO, combined with their e-commerce platform. It's become a, a, a prominent competition for both Tokopedia from the e-commerce side and Gojek on the payment side. It's interesting that Shopee, just like Grab, are both uh, Singaporean uh, companies. So, so this brings me to my next question, which is, you know, if we see two homegrown unicorns such as Tokopedia and Gojek merge together, do you think it will make it harder for future, you know, Southeast Asian companies like Grab or Shopee to enter Indonesia in, in the future? And we kind of see that uh, in, in China these days, and to some extent India as well, where uh, foreign companies have a increasingly hard time entering the market. I think Indonesian homegrown founders need to be the pioneer in the sense that they need to identify which areas to explore. Companies like Gojek, they identify the payment sector first, right? They identify that, oh, we have to go to payment. And then Grab follow on with Grab Pay, and then Ovo came, Dana came, and everyone else follow. Uh, Tokopedia and their SME strategy is also the same. They identify that SME is the next big thing, the next market, 
and they 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 started doing that before anyone else does and now everyone is following a uh, footstep right so in terms of identifying problems you know the needs and the demand of the market homegrown founders they know best because they're based here they know the culture very very well they're mm-hmm. they're a part of that culture as well so it's relatively easier for them to identify what problems are in the market and identify you know new demands and business opportunities but when it comes to execution, it all comes back to the capital and the speed of that execution, right? You can identify that SME is the next big thing, but if someone else have more money, more capital, and can hire really some of the best people that you know for the execution phase, they can be you know they can can overlap you and become number one before you even get there. So I think it's a combination of both when it comes to identifying the problems. And actually executing the the solution. Indonesian founders they definitely have the chance to be able to execute, but Indonesia is still dependent on foreign talents in order to to actually fully execute the solution, right? So a lot of expats has been hired by by Tokopedia, by Gojek. Some of them are fully expats. Some of them are Indonesians who you know went to school in the, in the US or the, in Europe and then you know incentivized to go back here back home to Indonesia and with all these patriotic issue uh, personal passion uh, nationalization or Indonesia patriotism join Gojek and Tokopedia to fight against all these you know quote unquote foreigners right shopping grab and all that stuff and they definitely have the chance and it all comes back to the capital and how how well we can execute, translate that capital into, you know, growth. Yeah. What do you think this kind of a, a merger between, say, Gojek and Tokopedia would mean for the Indonesian tech community in the long term? Yeah. I talk about this with, you know, some of my friends in both companies. I remind them that you guys need to acquire more local people to support your growth. I think this has been a big part of Tokopedia's growth as well, as well as Gojek. Yeah, they, they, they acquired a lot of local companies as well. But but I kind of, you know, the industry needs them to be that company that acquires the rest of us or at least supports the rest of us. Like like Google in, in Silicon Valley back in mm-hmm. the day, you know, fast growing startups acquired by, by Google, acquired by Google, right? That's, you know, I think every month they acquire a company for like a few first years. Gojek and Tokopedia needs to do that. And in order to give full benefit to the, uh, the ecosystem, a lot of companies who, uh, you know, work for Gojek or Tokopedia, you know, two years ago, they left the companies, now start their own company, grow and then acquired, and then they would stay in that company and then become a serial entrepreneur. So I think that's the, the ideal scenario. If they start acquiring local companies, they would force to shape the serial entrepreneurship ecosystem, but also the wealth creation actually yes. triggers the angel investment scene here in Indonesia because I think right now the angel investment scene in Indonesia is not there yet. Unfortunately, it's not as fast as like the one in, in China or in the mm-hmm. US. A lot of people got money, right? That's, you know, of course, but not a lot of people actually put that money back into the ecosystem by either starting up a new company or investing in, in uh, or angel investing in, in startups. So hopefully with Gojek and Tokopedia combined entity, keep acquiring local companies and keep churning, you know, good quality talent that would really significantly help the industry grow even faster. I think these days will come. 
you know, just by looking at uh, the history of, you know, Silicon Valley and then what's been happening in China in the past decade, I, I do believe the days that you've described, uh, they will come. And my last question would be, you know, because you're so familiar with Gojek and Tokopedia, what do you see the future of these two companies be like, whether they merge or, or not, if you can, you know, describe your vision a little bit for us? They can potentially become the, you know, again, the, the Google of, of Indonesia in a way that in terms of business, they are you know, very well diversified. They uh, have not just absorbed talent, but also put out a huge amount of talent outside of the, the company as well. We have trainings, we have, you know, experience in the company. So the people who work hopefully can become an entrepreneur, the, uh, you know, quote unquote, graduating from, from Gojek and Tokopedia. It's like the PayPal mafia. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the PayPal yes. mafia, but yes. <laughs> right. I, I think Gojek and Tokopedia can potentially be PayPal in that day to Indonesia today. It's uh, kind of started already. See uh, some ex-Gojek and ex-Tokopedia founders starting up new companies and angel investing. But hopefully, you know, the, the merger, if that happens, it can exacerbate that process even faster. And uh, even if they, you know, the merger don't happen, hopefully they can still acquire companies and really make a, a good positive impact to the industry and become, again, like the Google, like the, the PayPal of of Indonesia. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to, you know, follow up on on the story because I do think that it's very exciting. And, you know, going back to what you talked about, uh, the, the changes in the Indonesian startup scene as well, I think that the future is very bright, right? And so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of exciting stories coming out from the Indonesian uh, community. And we would love to, you know, hear your thoughts, uh, continued thoughts on these topics as well, which means you'll have to come back more often, Rama. <laughs> I would be happy to. And so my last, last question would be, can you recommend a book, a podcast, or anything else that has, you know, impacted your work and personal life recently? One of my, my favorite podcasts is actually you're listening to it now, Analyze Asia. Um, <laughs> Thank that's, you. That's, that's, a, that's a must have, uh, must listen uh, kind of podcast. Also, I read lots of, of, of books on entrepreneurship, and I, I always recommend this book to both founders and investors, where even non-founders and non-investors, just a really good book to read. Uh, and I'm sure most of you guys already read it as well. It's called Free Economics. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing book to be using economics principles to understand how the world works. Amazing, mm -hmm. and, and it's really life-changing for me. I love that book. The second book would be Alibaba. The, the house that Jack Ma built by Duncan Clark, also very good. I like the biographies, you know, for entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and all that stuff. But reading about Jack Ma is kind of closer to home, uh, a more Asian mm -hmm. uh, kind of culture. So um, I'm, I'm very happy with that book. Uh, really, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you have to read that book. Understood. I think I only read about Jack Ma's story in Chinese, so I'd be curious to to read this uh, English biography. And I think the author of Freakonomics has a podcast as well. And how can my audience find you if they would like to, you know, hear more about what you have to say or, you know, see your tweets or um, learn more about uh, Daily Social? Uh, sure. So you can go to dailysocial.id, the website, uh, keep tab on what's happening here in Indonesia, in the tech sector in Indonesia. But uh, I also have a Twitter account, uh, R-A-M-P-O-K, Rampok. 
that's my Twitter and uh, my Clubhouse account. It's like the new big thing these days, uh, Clubhouse. So uh, I'm there. But or else fail, you can you can email me at rama r a m a at social id. And you can find Analyze Asia on all podcasting platforms. And you can always let us know your thoughts about this episode and any previous episodes by messaging us on Twitter. And our Twitter handle is Analyze Asia. That is Analyze with an S. Now, this is the end of our um, episode with Rama, and I would like to thank Rama again for coming onto the show and providing us such a complete perspective on what's happening in Indonesia with Grab, with Gojek, with Tokopedia, Shopee, etc. And I, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. We can't wait for you to come back again. Thanks for having me again, Carol.